when Matt asked me to preach and gave me a clean slate as to what to preach on, and I went, God, what do you want me to preach on? This is what popped up. So I'm going to talk about words and about stories, and I'm going to try and keep it brief because there's stuff to do. So, cool. As, uh, as human beings, as people, living, breathing people, we are drawn to stories. It's part of our DNA to tell stories, to listen to stories, to be motivated for them. For me, like some of my earliest memories when I was a kid, um, I can remember being in a pram and being pushed around the streets of Cessnock, which is a town just outside Newcastle, uh, by my grandfather, and he would tell me stories about stuff while he was pushing me. He would tell me stories about his life, which for the main part were untrue. <laughs> my pop loved to yarn. Um, he convinced all of the kids in the family that his appendectomy scar was from where he'd been hit with a bayonet in World War II. Ages and ages dining out on that one. And, and a whole heap of other stuff. His actual life was really, really interesting and he really didn't need to tell stories because he had a whole different uh, thing. But he would tell me stories. My whole family loves that. They gather around at Christmas or w when we all get together. And we ev it, Well, it's the same with everyone, right? You get a whole heap of people together and you start talking about stuff and talking about the great times and the good times and the bad times, the times that affected us. We all carry around those stories. We all have an innate ability to frame our experiences in those stories. And we use those to entertain people. We use those to educate our kids. Back in my day, you couldn't get away with that. Back in my day, we walked in the snow to school, uphill both ways. You know, that's it, like that. To educate our kids, to empathise. You know, someone else is going through it. Oh, you know, let me encourage you. Let me tell you about when that sort of stuff happened to me. However, the people who we tell stories to the most are ourselves. We're constantly framing and reframing the story of our lives and how we tell ourselves how we're going. Have we accomplished stuff? Are we good at what we're doing? Do we need to work on it? The people who we tell stories to the most are ourselves. Obviously, stories are made up of words, which is what we're talking about today. So, <coughs> uh, there's a lot of studies out there that, uh, that show that um, throughout our life, we learn words and stories from reading them, from spelling lists at school when we're going through prep and all that sort of stuff. But the main contributor to the words that we use are the ones that we hear, either in spoken conversation or overheard. A good example of that is... You only have to have ever sworn once in front of your kid for them to pick up certain choice words that then turn up. So there is that indelible thing. We are like bowbirds, right? We pick this stuff up and we create it like it becomes part of us and it becomes part of our story and we use those words and we use those words. When we open the Bible up and uh, we start reading the what is essentially a poem at the start of Genesis that talks about the creation. The universe, the poet who is writing that, describes God creating the universe by what? Words, by speaking. Words themselves create new realities. When God speaks, the universe is created. The word for word in Hebrew is the word devar. And it's used about 1,400 times in the Bible. God speaks, God devars, and things happen. So the word devar is not only, as is with a lot of, this, uh, a lot of ancient languages, devar is not just the word for word. It's also the word for power and the word for thing, a thing. So when God speaks, God devours, it's more than that, right? It's something created, something spoken and then created. It's a thing, it's an experience, it's a power, a creative act that's bringing something new into existence. 
the, the ancient, the, the writers of the text believe that life has a source and that it flows from the heart of a divine being who is good and creative and generous and is on our side. The New Testament, Paul, when he's speaking to a crowd of people in the city of Lystra, says, who do you think provides you with food and fills you with joy? All of that comes from God. All of that comes from God speaking, speaking words. God didn't just speak in the Old Testament. God didn't just speak in the New Testament. God speaks now. God continues to speak. He continues to speak over us. Uh, in Psalms, it says God's continually renewing the face of the earth. How does he renew the face of the earth? He speaks over it. So essentially, in the Bible, the universe is God's megaphone. God speaks, God acts, God creates, God sustains. God is the source of the energy that pours, for, pours forth from creation. Sustains everything from our solar systems to our next breath. These are all sustained by words. So my question is, when we make up the stories about ourselves and we, um, we bow bird those words, whose words are we using? Whose words are we using to write the story of us? Because there's a lot out there. And whether you know it or you're not, it's what you're doing. So standardly, when we talk about words in church, it goes something like, something like this, right? We've, we've heard sermons or whatever about, you know, this or James, standardly, the go-to verses. The tongue has the power of life and death. And those who, who, death, death. <laughs> Sorry, that's, I was supporting Collingwood yesterday. Oh, and those who love it will eat its fruit. We standardly hear stuff like, there is power in words. We regularly underestimate that. They are used to build and to pull down. The way we often talk about each other or ourselves carries with it a great energy both constructive and destructive. When we ignore the truth of our connections in the body of Christ and we start talking about each other, that does a disservice to God. Our words are powerful, we need to use them wisely. Another thing that you usually hear is, so too there are empowering words that we can use to affirm and to address one another in love. By caring for and reaching out to those around us, we continue to live out the kind of fruitful life that God has envisioned. This church is called to be a place where we understand uh, that power and we use those words appropriately. These are the things that we normally hear when we're talking about words. But my question off the back of all of those things that we normally hear when we talk about words is, do we apply them to the words that we use ourselves, on ourselves? Do we do that? So let's talk about ourselves in those words. So the first, I've sort of broken it up into three, three parts that we can talk about. And the first part will be up in a second. Um, but it's called in for those of you who are taking notes or if anyone is taking notes so in so like i said do we show that same care if any when we're talking to ourselves about what has happened or is going to happen to us do we use these things that have been leave it up um we need to be mindful of how we perceive ourselves because that frames how others perceive us um when we ignore what's going on inside and the words we're using we do so at our own peril for good or bad um, God built us with leaks. We do not contain what is within. And that's by purpose. And so if God is speaking to me, then he's speaking through me. So it is purposeful that we leak. But as it says here in Luke, good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart, and evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. From the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. So the things that we tell ourselves and the story that we're writing for ourselves is the thing that's going to leak out when we talk about ourselves or when we're talking about others because we perceive them through that. If we want to put it a different way, 
If we do not transform our pain, we will always transfer it. Richard Raw, he's a theologian. I highly advise getting a hold of his books. He's, um, he's a pretty cool dude. The interesting thing about all of the internal stuff, and the thing that I've learnt with all the internal stuff that I have dealt with is that there's a real... There's a real importance of having someone that you can talk to. That everything. I think sometimes the most dangerous place for you to be is inside your own head. And I can't stress how important it is for there to be someone in your life who you can openly talk about all of that stuff that's rattling around in there. Look, to the reality of, this is one of the reasons why God called us to be in community. This is one of the reasons why God shows us community by being a, three, a triune being, right? Father, Son, Holy Spirit, community. We are called to be in community. Part of that is the honesty and the, 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 yeah, openness to have someone that you can speak to and say, I'm feeling this. Am I right in feeling this? I think one of the greatest killers of faith and of belief and of moving in your gifts and of giving testimony and of doing all of these things, of getting up and praying for people, is the words that we tell ourselves, I couldn't do that. You get up, you look stupid. I don't see where this will end up. So I'm not going to step out because I don't know where I'm going to finish. Um, there's a great quote I was telling some of the guys earlier this week um, by Rob Bell, who some people may think he's a heretic, some people may think he's not. doesn't matter. He says that very much along these lines, a, a lot of the reasons why people don't get up and give words or join the worship team or go and pray for somebody or go and make someone a coffee and sit next to them when they're in church is because they're too worried about where step 17 is when all they need to worry about is step one. God's got the rest. Just step out. We're all family here. No one looks stupider than me. So, like, it's, it's yeah, we need to be conscious of our, in, our, our inner thoughts. So I'm going to pop to the... Anyone heard of Bob Goff? There's this great Bob Goff quote that says, what I've found in following Jesus is that most of the time, when it comes to who says it, each of us are the right people. Too busy, we wait, too long we wait for the right person to say the right thing, right? And I've concluded something else. The words people say to us not only have a shelf life, but they also have the ability to shape life. The words we tell ourselves then have an impact in the words we speak out, or if we speak out at all. Here in Catalyst, we've got a church made up of amazing individuals. There are people here who, if you feel that you've got something to say, you can come and talk to them, and they will fully support you in getting up here and doing what I'm doing. That's the reality of it. Don't let fear hold you back and those nagging little things that tell you that you can't do it. So that leads me to the second part, which is out. So we all have stories about stuff that people have said to us and that we carry with us, yes, and that shape. So as much as we talk to ourselves, there are things that people say to us that we then go, that must be true, and we carry it with us. For me, I'll give you a great example. Now, some people have heard this story, other people haven't. So I apologise if I'm a story repeater for you. I started playing trumpet in the church when I was seven. So I played in the church the whole way through, played music, played, started playing drums when I was in year 10, started playing in a band, all that sort of jazz. I ended up being blessed enough to go to the Conservatorium of Music, which was great. And I met some amazing musicians there. Um, some guys found out that I played drums and they needed a drummer for a band, so they asked me to join, which I did, because why not? Uh, and it was amazing. And these guys were amazing musos, guitarists, and vocalists, two of them were vocal majors at the con, which means that they are heavy duty. The kind of people who walk around, if the, the, the temperature's below 10 degrees, they've got a scarf and they're carrying a, like a cup of 
warm honeyed tea and stuff because they need to these are the although if you met them you would know that that is so far from who they are anyhow they were vocal majors not long into one of the first practices that we were there i was singing along with a song and one of the guys said your voice is terrible you shouldn't sing and then one of the other guys in the band backed me up and said yep yeah you sound crap don't do it so i didn't i thought my singing was terrible i thought my voice was terrible so i stopped using it and i carried those words with me for 10 15 years I refused to sing. I thought my voice was terrible. I thought I couldn't sing. I thought I couldn't hold a tune in a bucket. So I just didn't. Meanwhile, my wife is telling me, they're all full of it. You can sing. You've been in choirs. You've done all this sort of stuff. You have to sing at the con. They don't know what they're talking about. Whose words did I choose? Not hers. Two guys who I respected. I was that frightened of singing that when we moved down here and I joined the church and I was playing and stuff and, and doing stuff, I refused to sing. I was quite happy to hide at the back behind the drum kit and not. Until one day <laughs> when they wanted to do an item song and I was the only person who knew the vocals to it. So it's God just pushing the boat out. Step out, Paul. So the church we were at was pretty big quite big in fact and they had a Saturday service and they had two Sunday services and I was supposed to sing at all three of those so Saturday night service I get up to sing this song and I'm shaking now I've been playing since I stayed I don't stage fright is not a thing with me I don't have it except when I'm doing something I don't think I can do so I step out Saturday night three quarters of the way through the sermon get up to do the song band plays band's awesome I forget the second line of the song and just ruin it. Ruin it to the point where the pastor comes up to me afterwards and says, if you're going to do that again, you're not doing it tomorrow. So I walk out of there on a, on a Saturday night, walk through the car park, committed to that is never going to happen again. I'm never going to sing. I can't. Blah, 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 blah. And then someone who I love dearly got beside me and said, it's crap. You need to step out, break that off your life and do it. And I chose his word. And here I am now. Still struggling whether I think I can sing or not. But that's... That's a fight that I will have forever. So all you young guys out there, what I would say to you is be careful of what it is that you let anchor into you because you'll end up fighting. So for me, it's hard. But you know what? God has it where I don't have it. And God gives me the strength to do it. It's just the way it is. <laughs> but it's not as sad how, how, bad, how bad life is for Paul's story. It's a story of victory because it took one word from somebody who knew to break that off me. One word of someone seeing me struggling through it and bringing the light into something that I was really, really finding hard. So there are those moments where someone says exactly what it is that you needed to hear. Um, that, you know, what you've heard isn't the last word on whatever that is. If there's things that you've got where you have a feeling or a sense that there's something missing, sometimes it's someone else that brings those, that puzzle piece. You know, they name it, they call it out, they describe it. They say that it's possible where you think it's not or you've built up that it's not. They give it a language. They, um, they say something that makes your heart leap. These are the things, these are the words that we should be pulling together. These are the words that we should be using. Because, there, you know, there is a lot of stuff that goes on. So, I need another volunteer. Pete, you want to come up here for a second? So, the picture is a picture of Solomon for those of you playing at home. Um, there's another guy who I read a fair bit of called Peter Enns. He's an interesting dude. And uh, I've taken this straight from what it, I what it is from him. And uh, he, s he said, um, he goes, he writes a blog. And this thing, he goes, I had a conversation with Solomon. 
out of the Bible. So, but he wrote it in the in the the way of a conversation. So him, and then Solomon. So if you be me, I'll be Solomon. Solomon is the supposed to be the wisest man that ever lived. Yes, wise enough that he married a whole heap of different wives. And let's not talk about that. Anyhow. So the whole idea of what uh, Peter ends was getting up to when he was writing this was he was saying, well, what? I'll just So he says, I'll give you the preface and then we'll go to that. He says, I recently sat down with King Solomon and he was kind enough to share some thoughts with me about the power of words, whether spoken or typed. Although he himself personally has never blogged, he does try to keep up with the blogosphere and he's formed some opinions on how people speak to each other about Yahweh. So... Go for it. This is going to be poor, but let's do it. <laughs> Where do you want to start? There. So, King Solomon. Yeah. What are you thinking? So, for this, I'll be playing King Solomon. Uh, this. Doing wrong is like sport to a fool, but wise conduct is pleasure to a person of understanding. With their mouths, the godless would destroy their neighbours, but by knowledge, the righteous are delivered. Whoever belittles another lacks sense, but an intelligent man remains silent. The words of the wicked are a deadly ambush, but the speech of the upright delivers them. Fools show anger at once, but prudent ignore insults. Rash words are like thrusts, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. So you're saying there is never a right time to let people have it? I mean, really have it? (laughs) Did you hear what I just said? I'm talking about speech as a hate sport aimed at belittling and destroying and landing blows, rashly delivered and driven by anger. But there are times, yes, when you need to let someone have it. Whoever winks the eye causes trouble, but the one who rebukes boldly makes peace. Better is open rebuke than hidden love. I could go on. Okay, but so how do we know the difference between words as a hate sport and words as a rebuke? You learn the difference through gaining wisdom. And if you're not sure, better to keep from speaking. Or typing on Facebook, as it were. (laughs) Whoever belittles another lacks sense, but an intelligent person remains silent. Even fools who keep silent are considered wise. When they close their lips, they are deemed intelligent. I could go on. Thank you for your time. No problem. I'm right here in the Bible whenever you need me. So, even the writers knew that it was hard. When do we stay quiet? When do we speak? What do we speak about? Talks into wisdom. I think there's stuff... If you know in your knower what it is, but again, we get back to that, run everything by someone. And this is where we move into our third facet. So we've had in, we've had out, now we have shake it all about. Next one. This is the main crux of all of it, right? 1 Thessalonians 5.21 says, test everything that is said, hold on to what is good. All this stuff that I'm talking about this morning, all of this stuff that anyone's talking about, take it to God. I could be talking nonsense. It's the reality. We should be doing this with all. We should be wrestling with both the internal, the words that we use internally, the words that we use externally. We shouldn't be accepting them as fact. The stuff that we use, the words that we hold, the story that we tell ourselves needs to be tested. Needs to be tested. How do we test that? Well, I'll tell you what. It is no coincidence that the Bible is also called the Word. Capital T. Capital what? So let's see what God has to say about us. What words does he use to describe us? What stuff can we grab a hold of? So these are, I've got verses, but they're grouped together with a common thread. So feel free if you want to write them down. But (laughs) I live as a child of God today and the evil one cannot touch me. I am not condemned by my sin. 
but have been set free by God's grace. I have plenty of grace to give people today because of the grace of God, or the grace that God has given me. Next one, George. I'm going to make a difference today because God prepared in advance the work that he has for me. Today, I'm not anxious, worried, or weighed down. I have cast my burdens on the Lord, and he cares for me. Today, I'm not afraid or weak. I do not have a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and self-discipline. Today, I am not discouraged or defeated. The joy of the Lord is my strength, and I will give thanks in all circumstances. These are the things that the Bible says about us. These are the things that our Father says about us. These are the things, these are the words that we should be using to put our story together. If there's words that you're using in your story now that don't align with the stuff that is just that is in there now, then the question is, where are those words come from? So what, actually, you know what? I'm going I'm to sidetrack just for a second. God always has us on his mind. All of this stuff, that's what about someone who I greatly respect, I was talking about this a couple of weeks ago, and he said, our hands are inscribed in the palm of his hand. He is constantly reminded of us, and he knows us in his interactions. God continually speaks over us, the same God that created the universe. That power that pulled something from nothingness is the same power that created those words that are spoken over us. Same person. The words we use are important. The stories we tell ourselves and those speak over others. As I said before, God continuously speaks over us.